0: Hallelujah. Well, we're talking tonight about uh, the sovereignty of God, and I want us to turn tonight back to the two scriptures we started with, 1 Timothy 1, 17, in order to to just get started. Praise God. It says, uh, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I really love that scripture. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then if you turn over to Revelation chapter 19, I really like this too. Let's begin in verse eight, uh no let's begin in uh, uh verse 9 maybe Well, let's begin in verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. "'For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. "'And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, "'and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. "'And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. "'And his eyes were as a flame of fire, "'and on his head were many crowns. "'And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. "'And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, "'and his name is called the Word of God.'" But hallelujah for the power in that and the glory of God. And we would never in any way want to take away from how marvelous and how wonderful, how glorious, how awesome our God is. Hallelujah. And so we've been talking about the sovereignty of God. Who's in control? Who's in control on the earth? Who's in control in our lives? And hallelujah. And of course we know it depends on how you mean it when you say the sovereignty of God. If you mean that He's the almighty, uh, god that he is the only true god that he is uh omnipotent omnipresent uh what was that other way omniscient. omniscient uh omniscient powerful almighty wonderful god of course we totally agree with that and uh he is he is the sovereign one true sovereign god of the universe however god in being sovereign He set up a system. We talked about the systems that he set up last week. And he set this system up to work in the way he wanted it to work because he was sovereign and could do it just like he wanted to. He didn't have to answer to any person. But then he set up this system, had it written in his word, and now he he submitted himself to to his own system of how he set it up. And so God cannot do anything he wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. He can't do anything He wants to do in the earth. He can only work through uh, the systems that He has set up. There are many things that God wants to do in the earth that He cannot do right now because He has no man that will cooperate with Him. I believe it's in Ezekiel where it says, He sought for a man. He looked for an intercessor. He looked for somebody to stand in the gap and He found none. And then we know that he, he, he brought his own man to stand in the gap, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so he, he, he brought that about. Hallelujah. And so we have to look at the Word of God in the light of these things. And tonight we're just going to pick up, I think I've reviewed enough there, so I want to pick up where we left off now. And uh, uh, so let me get over there to it. And I want us to look at some scriptures tonight and just see, uh, you know, from the scriptures... Uh, many places where we where we find this, this this system that God set up where He gave man dominion in the earth. And first we'd have to begin in Genesis 1.26. Not really sure if we looked there last week. Somebody might remember for me, but we'll look there again because that's approximately where we left off. And the Bible says in Genesis 26, and you know... Uh, the, the sooner something is mentioned in Genesis, the more important that it is. That's a rule of Bible interpretation. And so this is mentioned very quickly, isn't it? And God said, "...let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth." Hallelujah. And so God made man in his own image. And he, in his, in his planning, in his desire, he said, I'm going to make a man. I'm going to put him on the earth. And I'm going to let him rule. I'm going to let him have dominion. I'm going to let him be in charge. And if God had not done that, then when the serpent came and tempted Adam and Eve, and, and Adam and Eve gave over to the serpent, it wouldn't have made any difference if God was still in control. Hallelujah! Now it might have made a difference in Adam and Eve's life. God may have might have judged them or whatever He had had how He ever He had set it up to do it. But it did make a difference. It's made a difference for all mankind throughout all the ages ever since because of this verse in Genesis 1:26. He had given dominion in the earth, or not ownership but stewardship and rulership. He had given it to. Adam and all of his seed after him. And so because of that, when Adam sold out to the devil, he had a right to give it. He had a right to pass that, that dominion and that rulership over. And he committed high treason against God, gave the rulership to the devil. And now Corinthians says that the devil is the God of this world system. Now, the psalm says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That is not a contradictory term because the earth belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to the devil. Now I know Charles Caps always explained it to us this way, that, 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 that Adam had an earth lease. God did not give Adam rule over the earth for all eternity for indefinite. There was a certain period of time that Adam's rule, uh, was to last and, uh, and and we understand that now to be 6,000 years. And so for 6,000 years, this this dominion, or you could say 7,000, counting the millennial reign of Christ when we are going to rule and reign again with Christ. But anyway, no more than 7,000 years. And so when he gave it over to Satan, uh, that earth lease where Satan is in control and Satan's the god of this world system lasts only 6,000 years. Well, you can see we're at the very end of it right now. And it depends on where God's counting from. If He's counting from the birth of Jesus, we're already past 6,000 years, right? If He's counting from the time that Jesus died on the cross uh, and the church was birthed, uh, that would be about 30 A.D. That the church was actually birthed in 30 A.D., that would be 2030. So we're in there. I mean, it could be any day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It could just... We don't know for sure what day God's counting from. The birth of Jesus, the the, the resurrection of Jesus, the birth of the church. Hallelujah. So it's over, folks. And we're going to have that seven-year uh, tribulation. And then we're going to come back and rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. Hallelujah. And so, uh, <clears throat> turn to Matthew 16, 19. So that kind of... Gives us some understanding about what's going on here, but so so you know when we can tell that that evil has increased in the earth, the devil definitely knows his time is short, his time is up, and he is he's thrown out all the punches, hadn't he? And it's not going to get better as far as the world system. It's not gonna it's not gonna get better. Hallelujah! Not that, not that, not that we shouldn't pray. Don't we shouldn't quit praying for the government and so forth? Because there are still areas that will get better and can be changed and can be influenced. But overall, throughout the whole earth, the whole system, that the devil is gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna pull uh, some bad things in these last days. Matthew sixteen nineteen. Hallelujah. Matthew sixteen nineteen says, "I and, and and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." Now, right before this, the, Jesus had asked Peter. He said, "Peter, who do men say that I am?" And Peter said. Uh, well, some say you're John the Baptist and some Elijah and so forth. And he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And, and, and Peter said, well, you are, uh, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God's, and Jesus said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. In other words, Peter was operating in revelation knowledge. He was not just getting this out of his own mind or his own understanding. And so, uh, uh, And that's when Jesus turned and said, Blessed art thou, Simon R. Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. And then he says down there, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, uh, and upon this rock... And what rock is that? Not the rock of Peter, but the rock of Revelation. Upon this rock of Revelation knowledge I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now the Catholics took this scripture and made... Peter, the first pope, and they say the church was being being built on the pope, but we know that, that God's not building His church on any man. No flesh and blood man. But He's building it upon the rock of Jesus Christ and upon revelation, that revelation of who He is. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say, now I'm going to keep the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He said, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So he says, I'm giving you the keys. Keys represent authority. And I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you loose on earth I will back you up. I will loose that in heaven. And whatever you loo- uh, bind on earth, I will back you up. I will bind that in heaven. In other words, uh you're going to have to do the binding. You're going to have to do the loosing, but I will I will back you on that. And so when and, and so this is very powerful. Hallelujah. In the the amplified Bible, it says it says whatever you allow on earth, I will allow in heaven. Even if God doesn't like it, if we're allowing it, He will allow it. And that's why uh, we've allowed things in our government to happen. The church allowed Madeline, what was her name? O'Hara, Madeline Murray O'Hara, we allowed her to go to the Supreme Court and, and we allowed this because the church has been passive, lackadaisical, we've we've had the sovereignty of God teachings where we thought our prayers wouldn't change anything, and we allowed her to go in, take school uh, prayer out of our schools. And if we allow this to happen, they will take, in God we trust, off of our money if we allow it. God's not going to stop it we, if we allow it. And if we will allow it, they will take, uh, they're, they're trying to mess with the, what is it, um, the, uh, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God. They want to take out under God. And if we allow it, they're going to allow it. Now, there are more people that believe in God in America, if you take a poll, than there are that doesn't. And so if we would rise up as Americans that believe in God and say no, because they will do what we tell them because they want to get reelected. Hallelujah. And if we would start making a stand and we'd quit voting our pocketbook, and we'd quit voting uh, the welfare system. Thinking who's going to give us the biggest welfare checks? Who's going to take care of Social Security? Instead of, put, and put our trust in Christ that He supplies all of our need. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. If the, if the United States of America, you know, I heard Susie Orman on the radio. The, yes, I don't listen to the radio much, but I turn it on. And she was encouraging people not to hide their money in their mattress because evidently through all this, people are starting to do that. And she said, now, the you, you are guaranteed. They've even doubled the guarantee up to $250,000 in banks. And there is nothing that could happen that your money would be not good in the bank. And I said, that's not true. That's a lie. Because if the government fails, it don't matter how many FDIC guarantees you have, it will fail. But I guarantee you, you still won't have a thing to worry about because your God will supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. And God still has angels and God still has ravens and He knows everybody, He knows where the, there is money buried all over the United States where people dropped it, lost it, buried it, forgot it. Hallelujah. And He, you know, He could bring that to you. But if it wasn't any good, it wouldn't do any good anyway. Hallelujah. He can multiply food. He can cause lights. He caused the lights in Israel to burn. And He can cause lights to burn. He can cause air conditioners to run. Hallelujah. And if nothing else, He can make us, hallelujah, where we can't feel it. It's like, I'm cool. Are you cool? And the whole world's burning up, you know, in the south. And we're like, man, I'm cool. There's a cool praise of glory glowing. Hallelujah. Or a warm breeze, whichever you want. If it's summer or winter, hallelujah. We have nothing to fear. We have a mighty and a powerful and a wonderful God. Thank you, Jesus. All we need to do... You know what? We need to put our trust in Him. Hallelujah. And I think that's one reason these systems of this world are shaken, Because too many people... Too many senior citizens, too many of you and I, we got our trust in the wrong thing. Now, I'm not putting much trust in the government, I can tell you. I, you know, I'm probably one of the ones that needs to... <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm not very trusting where all that system's concerned. Matthew 28, verse 18. But I'm telling you, there are people. Hallelujah. It, I tell you what, the welfare system... It was never God's plan. It was never God's will. The Bible tells us how to take care of the poor. The church is supposed to take care of the poor. The church is supposed to take care of the widows and orphans. And if people would get back on God's system and bring the tithe into the church, the churches would have plenty of money to take care of all the widows and the orphans, hallelujah, that are Christians. And the ones that aren't, they'd either get Christians or they could starve to death. That's God's plan. That's God's plan because He wants to bring them in. It's like, if nothing else, get saved so you can eat. Hallelujah. And we would be serving meals. We'd be serving meals here uh, every day. That would be good. That's God's system. That's what's in the Word of God. Hallelujah. And welfare is just a hallelujah. It's not supposed to be in the church. The body of Christ shouldn't be on welfare. And you know, if you were or ever have been, well, praise God. Get off of it. Believe God and get out. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's all extra. Matthew twenty-eight, verse eighteen and nineteen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and Jesus came and spake unto them. Now this is when, this is when Jesus, uh, he had died. He had been resurrected from the dead. He came back to earth for forty days. Walked the earth. Remember that. And this is right before he's going to leave again. And he came, and this is his final words. This is the last thing he tells them. You know, the last thing mama tells you before she leaves to go to work? You better remember that, son. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you. And all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That's what he did when he went into the lower parts of the earth. He got that power back. He got that authority back and he said, go ye therefore. So he said, all power's been given to me. Here, you go. Same. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. I'm telling you what, God's, God's not going to do the teaching. Now the Holy Ghost is our teacher and when people seek him, but I mean God's not going to come down here in the manifest. Jesus' is not going to show up at church tonight and teach. He told us to go teach. God's not going to go to the prison on Tuesday night and teach. He told y'all to go teach. Mr. McDaniel knows. God told him. God saved him out of that place and then said, you go teach him now. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, so he gave us the authority. And we know he's not going to do it for us, that we have to go teach. Well, we ought to catch on that he's not going to do any of the rest of it for us either. That song we sang tonight was wrong, that first song. How many of you picked up on it? Did anybody pick up on it? Raise your hand, me and one other, me, pastor, me and one other person. That first song we sang, a lot of it was good, but it said there he's. What did it say? He's gonna something about it, he's gonna get rid of the devil for us. He's gonna, he's gonna take back what the devil stole. God's not gonna take back anything the devil stole from you. If you don't take it back, it's not gonna be done. That's the truth. Now a lot of that stuff was good, but that you know. Somebody that didn't know their authority in Christ. He's not going to do it. Uh, So, Matthew 20, okay. Teach all nations, baptizing Him in the name of the Father and of Son and the Holy Ghost. Jesus doesn't come down here and dunk people underwater. Some man has to do it. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, we're not alone. We don't have to do this on our own. We're not doing the things we do in our own power. Bible says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We can't do anything without Him, John 15 says. But also it's true, He can't do anything without us. We are His hands in the earth. We are His feet in the earth. We are His mouthpiece in the earth. And that's why in Amos, He said, is it Amos? He said, I'm not going to do anything unless I tell my prophets first. Why? Just because He wants to keep them informed? No! He, what do prophets do? Speak. And he needs some, he, somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to declare it. That's why Isaiah had to say, now unto you a child is born. Unto you. And he had to say that the government will be upon his shoulders and, the, and uh, his name will be called Wonderful and he'll be born of a virgin. Isaiah, Isaiah had to say it. God couldn't even bring it to pass until somebody said it. How many years do you think he worked with somebody trying to get somebody to say it? And finally Isaiah said it. And God said, well, hallelujah, somebody finally said what I told him to say. And now I can get this thing moving. And uh, you know, there's other prophecies throughout the Word. Somebody had to say He'd be born in Bethlehem. Somebody had to say that He would be uh, wounded for our transgressions. He'd be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace would be upon Him. Somebody had to say it. And Isaiah said it, and God's going, at last. You know, you wonder, why did it take him from, oh, he's, you know, he prophesied it in the garden that he was going to defeat Satan and everything, but, and, and he was going to, uh, how, how come it took him so long? That might be one reason, is getting people to say it. That might be a reason. I know they had to say it, or perhaps they said it right. You know, reckon how long he looked to get a Mary. And all the stuff you see in the Old Testament. I've been reading Jeremiah. And oh my Lord, God was hard on people in Jeremiah. I mean, he prophesied. But you got to remember, why would he wipe out his own people? Because they'd gone into idolatry. And he's not just saying, you know. Now he doesn't, if he was just going to wipe out everybody that ever worshipped anything, he'd have to worship wipe out some people in this room. He'd have to wipe out every person that was more in love with golf than they were with Jesus. Everybody that's more in love with the University of Alabama's football team than they were with Jesus. Everybody that was more in love with their kids than they were with Jesus. I've seen people more in love with their grandkids than they were with Jesus. He'd have to wipe them out. He'd have to wipe out all the little Vietnamese shops in town because they're, they're actually worshiping idols and burning incense. And in Jeremiah specifically talks about that. But he's not much concerned about that. But he had a righteous line, and he's got to get a Messiah here through them. And if they all go off and worship idols, he's got a problem. He can never save mankind from sin if he doesn't bring Messiah Jesus, and he has to have a righteous line to bring him through. So, you know what? If we have to wipe out people to get Jesus here in order to save all of mankind, then that's what he did in the Old Testament. And he would send the prophets to him over and over. And Jeremiah, he begged him, and he pleaded with him, and he prophesied to him, and he said, and he was always the goodness. God, the Bible says, God delights in mercy. He never wants to judge. He delights in mercy. But if He has to, and I guarantee you, if somebody's got a gun in your face and you're you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, let me tell you, whose side God's going to be on? Hallelujah. So they better get away from me because God's on my side. And that's what I, you know, even the financial situation. Woo! The righteousness of God rises up in you know, on me over stuff like that. People that won't pay you and stuff, it's like, they don't know who they're messing with. That's right. And when they went mess with my kids, it's like, and I start pulling the fear of God down on them. Now, I ain't calling down fire and stuff, but, you know, that's my next step. No, <laughs> no but I start, I get on it in prayer. I've got authority. And I say, No. Hallelujah. You don't know who you've done gone and messed with. Amen. Amen. Joyce, that's right. They better not mess with you, had they? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So, and I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where my scriptures are. Hallelujah. So anyway, uh, (coughs) we talked about this last week, how religion says that God is in the driver's seat and we're the passenger's you know, that sounds good. And we even have, remember the little poem? Oh, it's like, well, footsteps. That's what it's called. Well, now these footsteps, they were yours and Jesus's, and then they were Jesus carrying you. I don't know. That just kind of, eh, you know, to me. I don't like it. If you like it, fine. But I don't like it. First of all, Jesus isn't walking beside me. He's walking in me. He's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I now I'm all for him strengthening me and helping me, and I'm believing him to do that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But he's not driving my car. And if I'm depending on him to drive the car, you know, I'll be in trouble. Uh But the Bible teaches us that we're behind the wheel, and God is God is guiding us. We do the driving of our life. That's why people's lives are in such a mess. Is not because God's driving the car, because they're driving it. Hallelujah! Praise God. (coughs) Uh, Religion says that our problems are blessings from God in disguise. Can you imagine? And you know, the teaching, that teaching people that will make them totally passive. The Bible, turn over to James chapter 4. Let's look some more at our authority. Now, you know, sometimes we just look at scriptures and we don't really see them. So let's really look at it. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So... There's two ways we could take this Scripture. There might be more than that, but there's two ways I can think of right offhand. First of all, you're not going to have any authority over the devil unless you're submitted to God. You've got to be, you know, He's got to be in you and you in Him. Or you don't have any authority over the devil. So, praise God, the man on the street out here, he doesn't have authority over the devil. It's in Jesus as we submitted to God, Jesus. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. But there's another way we could take this verse and that is everything that God sends, submit yourselves to it. And everything the devil sends, resist. It's real simple. If God sent it, don't resist. A lot of people submit to the devil and resist God. They come to service, and they, say, and, we, and they say, how many of you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? And they resist. They put all their brakes on. Hallelujah. Or, or uh, come up here if you need prayer. And it's like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. That's resisting God. And then, a lot of Christians submit to the devil. The devil, you know, will entice you to sin, and they'll submit to it. He'll say it'd be okay to watch this movie and they'll submit. He'll say it'll be okay to do this and they submit. But we got to get it straightened out. We got to, everything God sends, we submit to. Everything the devil sends, we resist. And the way we tell the difference, of course, is John 10, 10. "The, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill and destroy. But I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So God wants to do something good for your life. We need to submit to it. But if, uh, hallelujah. And we don't need to be afraid of what our daddy will think, our mom will think, our old ex-preacher will think, or who down at first church will think. You know, one thing's always amazed me is when you start talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost or tongues, and, you know, like we had that meeting with David uh, Dixon, and, you know, and so, so there's new people here and they've never heard about tongues. The first thing they'll do is run ask somebody that doesn't speak in tongues, is this good? Instead of running to people that speak in tongues and saying, now tell me about this. But you know, if you wanted to know about Cadillacs, you would run to somebody that drove a Cadillac to ask them. You wouldn't run to somebody that drove uh, BMWs or drove Mercedes and say, well, I want to know what you think about Cadillacs. Now, if I went to somebody, if we went down there to the, the, to the BMW place and we said, what do you think about Cadillacs? They'd say, those are the sorriest cars. I guarantee you, you just go ask them. They'll say, those are the sorriest cars that were ever made. Why? Because they want you to buy BMW. Right? And that's how it works in the spiritual realm. You know, praise God. Hallelujah. If, a pre- if you go ask a preacher that don't speak in tongues, he don't want you to speak in tongues because it's going to make him look like he don't have all of God. And he doesn't, he, you know, it's not going to make him look good if he says, yeah, you now you just go ahead. So they are going to be few and far between that you're going to find the right answer on. No, you need to go to the right people to ask these questions. Hallelujah. Well, that's extra. So, uh, <clears throat> we submit to the things that are from God and resist the things that are from the devil. Now, the word resist means to actively fight against. We are to be actively fighting against the devil. Now, most of all of, all of us in the room, including myself, we are just entirely too passive when it comes to fighting against the devil. You know, even when sickness comes, we wait till it's got a major stronghold in our life. We don't, the Bible says in one version, resist him at his onset. I mean, the very second you sense something's not right, you ought to start resisting. But I know I've done it myself where I'm just like, man, I have a headache, but if I just don't think, maybe this really isn't happening. Or even more, I kind of felt maybe a scratchy throat, and I'm thinking, ah, this surely isn't a scratchy throat. This isn't, you know, it was just, this is a coincidence. And I wait, and you know, and sure enough, but if I had rooted it up immediately, hallelujah. And you know, I've also noticed that usually the day before I start having a symptom on a scratchy throat or something, or even sometimes an hour before, I'll have a thought, which is the Holy Ghost, about. I'll ha- the thought will usually go something like that. This, boy, praise God. It sure has been a long time since I've had any symptoms. Praise God. I think I've kind of, man, I've got somewhere. I'll have that thought. And one hour to four hours later, when am going to catch on that the Holy Ghost is telling me right then before he ever even comes with the first system I could already resist my next thought should could have been praise God and I'm not taking it either and I'm just telling you right now devil I'm not taking any of that junk that's going around hallelujah we could resist him all long before we do hallelujah okay now, religion says sickness comes from God to work something good in us. But if you think about how crazy that is, it really is crazy, because if you really thought that sickness was coming from God and God had a purpose to work something good in you, then you should not resist God, so you better not go to the doctor. And you sure better not take any medicine because that would be resisting God. No, that's totally crazy. We know that can't be true. Even doctors are smart enough to know they need to help us get rid of this. Amen? And so, uh, these things cannot be from God. Turn to Acts 10, verse 38. Now, we're talking about the sovereignty of God and relating that over into the area of healing now. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus said that, that those, or, or actually Paul um, Luke said about Jesus, that Jesus healed those that were oppressed of the devil. So he said that sickness was demonic oppression. He didn't say, now Jesus healed those that were being taught something from God. By having sickness in their lives. And even in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 28, if you turn over there, it lists the the first part of Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, lists the blessings. And under those blessings are health. And then beginning in verse 15, it lists the curses. And those curses are sickness. In the Old Testament, it says that sickness is a curse. It does not say it's a blessing. It is not a blessing from God, even in the Old Testament. It's a curse. And it's a curse that comes because of breaking the law of God. In other words, it's His judgments. So we should quit calling things a blessing that the Bible calls a curse. And I'm sure you're not. Health and prosperity are blessings. And Galatians 3.13 says, Jesus bore any curse that we might have incurred. Hallelujah. So that tells us that God would no more put sickness on a believer than He would cause him to commit a sin. You don't believe, do you, that God would ever cause a man to commit sin? Do you? Never. So God would not put sickness on a believer. And neither is He the one who is allowing God, I mean, allowing Satan to put sickness on us. God is not allowing Satan to put sickness on us. We are the ones allowing Satan to put sickness on us. Now in the Old Covenant, uh, the Bible says that God was the one that had to do it for them. Even, even the righteous man in the Old Covenant who loved God, believed God, and was serving God and doing right. God could, had to do for them what they couldn't do for themselves because they had no authority. Right? Do y'all see that? And so even in Exodus 15, 26, it says God, it talks about you know Him allowing sickness on them. And He would not allow it on them if he, they would serve Him. And He would bless their bread and their water. He doesn't bless our bread and our water. He tells us in Timothy to bless our bread by the Word of God. We have to bless our bread and water in the New Testament. Why? Because now we have authority to. In the Old Covenant, they didn't. He had to do everything for them. Even in Malachi, it says, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, we still claim that. And and you know, there's... But truthfully, honestly... God doesn't have to rebuke the devourer for us. Why? Because we have authority over the devil and we can rebuke the devourer. I personally still believe, though, that when we speak the Word of God, even when we, when we don't know what Satan's doing, the Word of God and our authority in, in speaking the Word of God rebukes Him for us when we don't know what He's doing. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not, it is true that God rebukes the devourer for us. There's times that we didn't see something coming. And God, re, because we're tithers and because we speak the Word of God and we're committed to Him, He, he, he keeps stuff off of us. Hallelujah. It's important in this day to be a tither. Amen. Uh, more important than this day than it was even in the 1950s, there's more danger in our day than there was in the 1950s. It's going to show up faster in our day. Yes. And so it's important. That, it's important in, though, in every era and in every dimension to be obedient. Hallelujah. Uh, so um, God had to do things for them in the Old Covenant because they had no authority. Hallelujah. Uh, John eight thirty two. The Bible says, you don't have to turn there. You know this. It says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And one of the things that's going to set you freer than anything you've ever heard is when you find out that God is not the author of your problems. God's not causing your problems. And, and that sets you free. But then the second thing, you have that's the first thing. You've got to know God's not the author of this. Because if you think God's in it, you're not going to really know what to do about it. But secondly, when you find out that God has made a way and a plan to get you out of every problem. That will totally set you free. Now, all you have to do is discover you already know where the problem's coming from. It's originating in Satan. You got a problem at work? That's the devil. That is a demon spirit. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So, you got a problem, somebody not treating you right? That's a demon. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now, a demon will use any man that will let him, even a Christian. And so a Christian can, if, when a Christian's acting ugly and causing strife in the church, trying to divide the church, that's a demon using them. And I know, and, a, and you know, a, every one of us in here has been used by the devil before. I mean, just ask any married couple. And you can just say, has your wife ever been used by the devil? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does your husband ever been used by the devil? Yes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, we never meant to be. Hallelujah. But sometimes through ignorance and sometimes just because we're just mad as an old hornet and we get in the flesh, we let him him use us. So let's stop that, okay? We can stop that right now. Okay. Okay. So, uh, turn over to Jeremiah 29, 11. And y'all are real familiar with this scripture. Now, in my day, you know, we didn't have a lot of revelation when I was growing up. We had some revelation about salvation. But as far as I know, nobody knew 20, Jeremiah 29, 11 was in the Bible when I was growing up. But you know, now, the word movement and teaching movement came through. And so there's some people that have listened to the word taught. And like Brother Copeland said, they got just enough of it to make them dangerous. They didn't follow it through and learn the whole way and the whole system of God. And so they take scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11. I've heard them do this. They take these scriptures and they twist them And make them religious. This is a very wonderful scripture. It's very comforting. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace. Peace is good, right? It doesn't have anything. Do you ever been peaceful when you were sick? So God can't have any. Are you ever been peaceful? How many of you are real peaceful when you're broke and you can't figure out how you're going to pay the light bill? That's not peaceful. So God doesn't have any thoughts or the NIV. This is one place the NIV is really good. We talked about NIV last week. And so don't throw your NIV away. Just be aware. The NIV says, I know the plans that I have for you. Hallelujah. Thought Plans of peace. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. God doesn't have any evil plans for you. He doesn't have any unpeaceful plans. He doesn't have any plans for lack. He doesn't have any plans of shortage for you. Right? He's he's already got the plan figured out if the government does anything crazy. If the trucks were to quit, one prophet of God says that there's going to be such a catastrophe in New York City that the trucks are not going to run for a month. That trucking companies could be shut down and not run. He didn't say it'd be a month, but he said that could happen. Because New York City is going to be under calamity. Now, I don't know if he's right or not. Then I heard another man of God say that if this other man of God says something, you can write it down. It is going to happen. But I don't know. But I'm prepared. I got Christ in me, the hope of glory. And of course, if he tells us to do something, if he tells you to put food in your pantry, well then do it. But we're not called to hoard and, oh man, don't touch my food. If you get food, it's probably because you're going to pass it out to other people. And you're still going to have to believe God. You know? And you're going to give your food to people that don't know how to believe Him. Amen? So we're prepared. He has plans and thoughts of good. He's already got it all figured out, just how He'll provide for us. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. The NIV says a future and a hope. Now, I've heard religion take this same verse and say, oh, you've got sickness in your life. Don't worry. God knows the plans He has for you. It's okay. That was in God's plan. Don't worry. Don't worry. God knows. See, they twisted it and made it religious, made it say something it doesn't say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it is true that we do learn from hardships, but that don't mean they come from God. That just means we finally started listening. And you can listen anytime. It is true that when bad things happen, we usually draw near to God. People turn to God. But we can draw near to God tonight. In fact, we already did. I drew near to Him. Did you? I was listening in prayer. I was listening when we were worshiping. Hallelujah. I hope you're listening tonight to what the Holy Ghost might be saying to you. We can, we need to draw near every day. Many times a day, we need to take time to draw near and listen. We don't need to wait till calamity comes to draw near to Him, but it is true that people do, and it's even true that we do. I've heard people say, Well, you know, I had been just too busy and I hadn't been really being with God, and He put me in this bed flat of my back, and He knew I'd listen there. Well, He did not. I'm glad you're listening now. But I, He didn't put you in that bed flat of your back to get you to listen. Now, you know, I sometimes wish God would whop some people upside the head so they'd listen, but He's not going to. In fact, He's just... A, you know what? If we don't go out and preach the gospel... He's going he to let people go to hell. They're choosing it themselves, and He'll let it happen. But He draws every man. He has a plan for every man, but you know, we don't have to... A lot of people don't listen to the plan. They don't ask for the plan. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, uh, praise God. Turn to Isaiah 54, and we should be able to shut down with this one. I like this verse. You might not have seen this one before. Verse 14, in righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. Now he's talking about the righteous man now. Say, I'm far from oppression. For I shall not fear. And for, from terror. For it shall not come near me. Now listen to verse 15, just listen. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. They shall surely gather together. What? This fear, this oppression, this terror, these bad things, they will try to gather together. As long as there's a devil on the earth, there's going to be weapons try to form against you. There's going to be things try to gather together. But he says, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for your sake. If it gathers together against you, it'll fall. But here, look, it says, verse 17. A lot of people misunderstand this verse. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. Now, who's got to condemn the tongues? Us. God doesn't condemn the tongues that rise up against us. So if somebody's gossiping about you, you better condemn that tongue. If somebody's speaking curses on you, you better stop it. Not by going to them and say, I really wish you'd quit saying these bad things about me. Well, they're being used of the devil. It's not, it's a, it's a, it's, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So you can take care of this in the spirit. You don't have to take care of it in the natural. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says, in fact, that what you're supposed to do for them is you're supposed to bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you. But when you're home by yourself, you condemn that tongue. You bind it up. You, I, 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 I was doing that in prayer tonight. Everything that had been spoken against this church, I condemned it. I told it to fall to the ground. I told it to, to be un, unproductive, unfruitful in Jesus' name, and for the fear of God to fall on the people. They need to start fearing God, people that are speaking against you, because the Bible says not to touch His anointed or His prophets. and do They say, touch not mine anointed and do His prophets no harm. Why? Because what you sow, you're going to reap. And there's a double reaping when you start touching the anointed. Why? Because the anointed's anointed. Amen? So this is the heritage, this is our inheritance of the servants of the Lord. Now, we're not servants, we're sons. Hallelujah. But how much more? That no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. But I guarantee you, if you don't take authority over it, Jesus won't. And it'll continue to form. So whoever's working against you at work, whoever's, if it's the boss that's maybe the boss has just got a bad attitude towards you. That's a devil. He's supposed to be having favor on you. So he's just letting the devil use him. He may be a Christian. You start taking authority over it, but you also have to live right too. You know, you can't be like, "I'm going to take authority over this," but the when the real reason the devil, excuse me, when the real reason your boss is mad at you is because you're text messaging all day every day. You know, you can't blame that on the devil. The boss is going to be mad. Amen. Hallelujah. So you know we have to be wise about those things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> I have an example here about a child falling out of the truck. Oh, I know what it was. Now, if you, and I'm going to end with this, if you, uh, if your child is in the back of a, is in the truck, you may be, you know, sitting in the pickup, and you tell them, uh, quit hanging out the window or something. Hallelujah. And they don't do it. And they fall out of the truck and hit their head. You know, y- y- it wouldn't be right to say, now that person, that, that you know, I, I, you know you, it wouldn't be right of you to just say, now, you know, I blame my dad because I fell out of the truck. I've got this little scar over my eye and I just blame my dad. He was a bad parent and he allowed that to happen. Well, no, He was saying to you every five minutes, quit sit down, quit quit standing up in the truck, quit leaning out the window. Well, that's the way it is with God. A lot of people are accusing God of being a bad parent, and He's told us in His Word what to do and what not to do. And sometimes we have people are falling out of the truck, so to speak, getting their head hit, and then they're saying, well, God just, you know, God caused that, or God didn't do right, or God didn't, but it's not not have anything to do with God, not His fault. We need to obey Him. Just like our children have to obey us if they don't want to get hurt. Amen. So we're going to close with that tonight, and perhaps we'll go again uh, next week. I don't know. Hallelujah. So let's stand up together tonight. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is working in us.